Well, good morning. Good to see you all this morning. Hey, um, it, when you walked in here, if you wanted them, you could grab a, some notes. And people learn different ways, you know that? And so some people learn because by writing stuff down, other people learn other ways. My dad used to say, I learned when he applied the seat of knowledge to, uh, or something to the, my seat of knowledge or understanding or something, I forget what it was. But uh, so people do learn differently. Uh, it, does anybody need a pen? Does anybody need a pen? Put your hand up if you do. The ushers will get you one. Okay. And Michael mentioned that there are books. There's a book that we're following called The Prayer Adventure. And uh, it's of devotional that you can write in and, and kind of walk along. They are in the back table back there at the very back. And uh, like, uh, like Michael said, pick one up if you don't have one. Uh, if you want have somebody that you want to walk through this with you, then just pick one up for them too. And there is a, a bucket there you can donate if, to help us out on that if you would. Um, today we are continuing the series, second, second one in a seven-week series, and the seventh of which is going to be testimonies. It's been incredible because I've already been hearing some uh, that, are, that are just amazing. It's really exciting. And uh, how many of you made it through the first week praying every day? How many of you? Good. Good, good, good. Well, for the rest of you, don't quit. Keep trying. Pick it up. Get going. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about how to pray for more than three minutes. And, um, but before that, I want to encourage you to pray. And, you know, one of the things about this, we, we mentioned it last week, is the enemy does not want you to do this. He does not. Because if you commit to beginning to just say, Lord, I'm going to spend time with you every day, it's just like saying that to another person. We're going to develop our relationship. I'm going to talk to you every day. And it's, if it's someone you love, that's how you deepen a relationship. And, and it's the same thing with God. And so our enemy does not want us to do this. I suspect... Many of you have been distracted this past week. You've had other things come up that have surprised you this past week to keep you from, uh, from doing this. And, and let me ask you this question, and this is a, I'm, I'm asking honestly now. For some of you, how many of you would say that this past week when you've been focusing on trying to get this done, it really hasn't been fun? You've just had to work at it. Man, I love this. I love your group. Yes, the, there's some honesty there. There's some real honesty. Sometimes it isn't just fun. It's like, man, I've got to work at this. Just a little side note there. That might also say something about our relationships sometimes, huh? That we have to just work at it sometimes. It isn't always just fun. Now, that's true for everybody but my wife. I'm sure it's just fun for her. But anyway... <laughs> That is a joke. Uh, here's the thing that we need to do uh, is, is it takes willpower. It takes willpower. And when you continue to do it, it's like compound interest. The good is compounded on top of that when you continue to work at it and to just kind of exercise your way into doing it. But it's a matter of getting your willpower and your emotions and your mind all lined up. And that's what's difficult, especially as you are creating a new habit with something. And usually when you're adding a new habit to your life, you're also getting rid of an old one. If, if you've got some, t you've said, hey, I'm going to spend whatever it takes. I'm going to spend 10 minutes to 30 minutes doing this thing. It doesn't take you more than 10 if you really want to hustle at it. But you could take 30 if you really want to uh, write things out and so forth. You say, I'm going to do that. When you, when you commit to doing that and you start to create a new habit with that, it takes a while to make that habit 
firm and in place. In 1928, a guy named Sid Baxter, a pastor actually, wrote about how difficult it was for him to do that and to line up his will and emotions. He did such a great job of expressing it. Understand it's almost 100 years ago now, but I want to read just what he wrote because it's, it was so good. It's called The Will and Emotions of Effective Prayer. It's by Sid Baxter. As never before, my will and I stood face to face. I asked my will the straight question. Will, are you ready for an hour of prayer? Will answered, here I am, and I'm quite ready if you are. So Will and I linked arms and turned to go for our time of prayer. At once, all the emotions began pulling the other way and protesting, we are not coming. I saw Will stagger a bit, so I asked, can you stick it out, Will? And Will replied, yes, if you can. So Will and I went and got down to prayer, dragging those wriggling, disruptive emotions with us. It was a struggle all the way through. At one point, when Will and I were in the middle of earnest prayer, I suddenly found one of those traitorous emotions had snared my imagination and run off to the golf course. <laughs> and it was all I could do to drag the wicked rascal back. A bit later, I found another of the emotions had sneaked off with some off-guard thoughts and was in the pulpit two days ahead of schedule preaching a sermon I hadn't even finished preparing. At the end of that hour, if you had asked me, have you had a good time? I would have had to reply, no. It's been wearying to wrestle with contrary emotions and a true want imagination from beginning to end. What is more? That battle with the emotions continued for between two and three weeks. And if you had asked me at the end of that period, have you had a good time in your daily praying? I would have had to confess, no. At times it seemed as though the heavens were brass and God too distant to hear and the Lord Jesus strangely aloof and prayers accomplished nothing. And yet, something was happening. For one thing, Will and I really taught emotions that we were completely independent of them. Also one morning, about two weeks after the contest began, just when Will and I were going for another time of prayer, I overheard one of the emotions whisper to the other, come on, you guys, it isn't worth wasting any more time resisting. They'll just go ahead the same. And that morning, for the first time, even though emotions were still uncooperative, they were at least quiet, which allowed Will and me to get on with prayer undistractedly. And then another couple of weeks later, what do you think happened? During one of our prayer times when Will and I were no more thinking of the emotions than the man in the moon, one of the most vigorous of the emotions unexpectedly sprang up and shouted, Hallelujah! At which all the other emotions exclaimed, Amen! And for the first time, the whole of my being intellect, will, and emotions were united in one coordinated prayer operation. Wow. Wouldn't you like that to be your experience? You know, mind, will, and emotions united together to be able to pray that way? That's, what, that's where we want God to be able to take us, to lead us into that place. Let's pray for it. Lord, right now, we are just opening our hearts and our minds and we are asking you to direct us, you to lead us, you to speak to us. Father, I am praying that you would give us a determination 
to continue to be persistent and consistent and be able to put our will, our will and our emotions and mind together. And let us just continue until that time arrives so that we can worship you united in the way that you want us to. Thank you for the, your ability to do that and the, and the fact, Lord, that you even want to. We just give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've got a question for you. So that, I just wanted to encourage you with that, by the way. That's just meant to really encourage you to keep on going because even for pastors, this is, it's the, like I said, the enemy does not want us to do this. So it's not an easy thing to do. But now I want to spend some time talking about how to pray because if you know how to pray, it makes praying easier. Knowing how to pray makes praying easier. So uh, let, let's talk about that for a minute. I've got a question for you. How many of you have bought a new car in the past? A new car? At least new to you maybe. Okay, yeah. So here's, here's the question. If, if you get in that car and you're sitting there trying to figure out something, how to do something that you didn't find out at the dealership or whatever, other than Google, where do you look? On the manual, the owner's manual, yeah, yeah. Well, God gives us an owner's manual to be able to operate life out of. What's it called? Bible. The Bible, very good, the Bible. So we're going to look at God's manual to see his instructions on how to pray, on how to. Now, here's something interesting. I believe every person here can actually recite the instructions. You can recite the instructions on how to pray. And today, I'm going to show you how those instructions work so you can actually apply them and open up the doors to that if you have not already done that, okay? So, uh, you know what it's called? It's called the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. That's what it's called, yeah. Jesus gave it to the disciples as a model on how to pray, not as a mantra with which to pray. Hmm. So it's a model. Now, before Jesus gives us the model in Matthew chapter 6, he gives a few ground rules. He gives a few ground rules for praying. And we find that in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 5. Let's look at the ground rules first, and then we'll look at the model. Verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites... For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into your room and shut in your door. Pray to your father in secret and your father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. But when you pray, do not babble vain words as the nations or the Gentiles do, for they think that in their much speaking they shall be heard. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows what things you have need of before you even ask him. So here Jesus has given us two basic ground rules on praying. The first one is don't pray to make yourself look good. That's the first one. So it isn't the, it, the idea isn't to make yourself look good. The idea is to communicate with God Almighty. And he has given you the ability to communicate with him. And he's saying, don't use it as a means to show off to other people. Now, what he's not saying here is don't pray in public. That's not what he meant by it. 
What he meant by it is, don't use it to show off. And, and, and I think we've all seen people who have found something, and maybe they've even memorized something that really sounds terrific when they pray. And we go, wow, look at those guys pray. And they love to do that. And, they, and so they want to do that any chance they get in the public. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. That's not the purpose for it. It's about your, your personal relationship with God. That's what prayer is about. So prayer is for a relationship it's not a mantra. It's for relationship, not a mantra. That's important for us to know because sometimes we grow up learning, you know, now I lay me down to sleep and the Lord's prayer and a few things like that. And we're used to just praying those things. But he's saying, don't pray rote prayers. Build the relationship by what you pray for. So here's my example of this. So if uh, I want to impress my wife and I decide, I get, I'm going to sit, tell her how much I appreciate her and love her. And I think, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to write something out. I'm going to make this so good. It's just going to be amazing. And I spend all kinds of time thinking about it. And I start out telling her how much I adore her. Then I then I confess to her that I don't deserve her and all these kinds of things. And then I tell her how thankful I am for her. And then I ask her to just stick with me. And, 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 and I ask her to just keep loving me. And, and, and I put it all together with all the right words, right? And, and then I deliver that to her. How's she going to feel? Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. One person thought it was amazing. The rest of you guys, listen up. That was a woman who said that. <laughs> it's amazing. Now, if I said the exact same thing the next day, and the exact same thing the next day, and the exact same thing the next day, and the exact same thing the next day, you get where I'm going with this? And after a while, she's going, hey, it was good the first day. But come on, you got anything else for me? Now I lay me down to sleep. Oh, man. Our Father which art, you got something else for me? I'd like to get to know you better. I'd like you to get to know me better. That's really what God is saying, see? Because he knows us just fine and dandy as it is. And so, so he says that that's what he wants us to do. There's the ground rules for that. And then he goes into the prayer, okay, verse number, starting at verse number nine. Why don't we just pray the prayer together? Now, as we pray this together, uh, by the way, uh, some of you are debts and debtors, and some of you are trespasses and trespassers, and some of you are sins and sinners. And uh, so how about we use, I think, debts and debtors is what we have down here. So let's, let's just pray it together. So I, I also want to say this. There's nothing wrong with the prayer. It's just what God wants us to know. And when Jesus gave it to his disciples, the whole idea was mean it for what it is and then use it as a model from which to pray. Don't just pray that, okay? But it's okay to pray that. So let's do that. Verse number nine. This, then, is how you should pray. This is Jesus saying this. Let's pray this together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Listen, prayer is our bridge from earthbound limits, the things that we are limited by, to actually be able to access heaven's infinite resources. There's always more there that God has for us. If you look at Jesus' model prayer, 
and break it down. It breaks down into four different areas that, that, um, that goes by the acronym of ACT. It's easy to remember because this is another way to be able to just help you pray, how you can pray. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. That's the acronym ACTS. Would you say those four with me? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. One more time. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Now, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, it, it breaks down in all four of those components are in there, okay? Can you put it back up one more time, Tiffany? Thank you. Um, so, uh, all four of those components are in there. Now, they're not in there in that order, and, uh, and we're using supplication as the last one there. Um, yeah, the, the, the Acts the one. We're using supplication as the last one. What supplication means is it means requests or asking, okay? But we use, we use the word supplication because it sounds better acts and actor or acta, right? So that's all. So supplication is just request or asking. So you could just pray with those four things in mind and say, I'm going to first adore God. I'm going to confess things to him. I'm going to thank him for things. And then I'm going to ask him for things. And that begins to open up the things you can do. So we'll look at the Lord's Prayer now and talk about the different pieces of it and what Jesus wanted us to see to expand that in our minds. Okay, it starts with our Father, which art in heaven. So Jesus wants us to start by focusing on the Father. So he's saying pray, there we're praying with adoration. He's our father. And affirmation, we'll pray with adoration and affirmation of God. It's a great way to start our prayers, to spend some time just praising God for who he is and for his attributes. So tell me some of the attributes of God. Anybody? He's good. He's loving. Powerful. Merciful. Patient. Grateful. Forgiving. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, more. Compassionate. Compassionate. Holy. Oh, you, you see, there's just now, now, when we're, so we're saying, our Father, which art in heaven. And by the way, I'm, He's a perfect Father. So we can describe how much we appreciate Him as Father as we begin to pray those different things to Him. It's a great way. And, and somebody mentioned love early on. The greatest of those attributes is love. He loves us perfectly. He loves us unconditionally. It's a love we cannot earn, but we can be grateful for it. And He appreciates it when we are grateful for it. He has our best interests at heart. He's delighted to hear from you. So our Father which art in heaven. Lord, thank you so much for being my perfect father. Hallowed be thy name. So we come to God now. What that means is with some reverence. So although last week we learned that we get to call him daddy, Abba, we get to have that familiar term with him, there is still a reverence like from a child to the, to the father that they respect and they appreciate that would be a perfect father which is unlike any of the fathers any of us have had. Just better, the best attributes and then some. And so he's saying, he deserves to be called holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. He is that. That's who he is. Thy kingdom come. So we ask for his kingdom to come. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And so we say, Lord, bring, bring your spiritual kingdom into me and around me. And Lord, what's that going to look like if you begin to do that, Lord? Here's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Some of you know those as the fruits of the Spirit because the kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And so we're saying, bring your kingdom, Lord, into here. And then we say, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. This is where we're acknowledging God's leadership. You're God, I'm not. I'm willing to submit myself under you. We put ourselves in a place of servanthood under God. And so we're asking him that this prayer of submission, here's how it works. We surrender our ideas of what is best into the hands of him who knows what's best. Our ideas of what's best, we say, Lord, our ideas of what's best, we want to surrender those and put them into your hands because I know you know what's best. You know, many of us, and I have, I'm going to just be honest, I spent time myself informing God of how to answer my prayers because I think I do know best. And then when he doesn't do it, sometimes we'll even say, well, God didn't answer my prayer. Well, yeah, actually he did. He just didn't think your way was best. He has another way of doing this. And, uh, and so we've got to understand we're putting ourselves under him. And Jesus gave us this amazing example of that. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that the most difficult thing he would ever face was right in front of him. Just prior to his arrest, he is praying and he says, Father, would you take this cup from me? But not my will, thy will be done. Not my way of doing it, your way of doing it. But I love the fact that he, he gives us this example of him talking to the Father that way, basically saying, here's what I would like. So he's saying, it's okay to ask me for what you would like. Oh, good. Some of you, take that down. That's a good note. It's okay to ask him for what you would like. But then we need to acquiesce. We need to give way to him who knows what's best. And Jesus shows us that he takes this so far to give us this example that it's better to suffer and be in God's will than to be spared and be outside of it. Jesus says, man, I just, Father, here's what I'd like. I'd like for you to just find another way for this to happen so I don't have to go through what I see in front of me. But what I really want even more than that is I want your will. And so I pray, I pray all the time, Lord, would you help me? Get me to the place where, where I'm so in tune with you that my will becomes your will. Well, that would be the optimal place to be. But meanwhile, I'm going to keep on giving you, acquiescing to you so that you can have your way in my life. Knowing how to pray makes praying easier. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread. So we pray with supplication or with requests, and that's what he's showing us there. And, he, and in the process of that, when he says, give us this day, our daily bread, he's given us a couple of other clues. One, he wants us to appreciate the fact that he is the provider of everything of our necessities. And I know for us, you know, you probably have enough food right now in your house to make it for the next week without even having to go to the store. And many of us do. So we don't think, uh, give us this day our daily bread is something we, but what he's talking about is, one, I want this to be a daily experience. I want you to be speaking to me about this daily. And two, I am the provider of every good thing. James says that, that every good thing comes from the Father of lights. Every good thing comes from God. And so we have all kinds of things to, to thank him for. For the fact that you can stand up is a good reason to thank him for. For the fact that you can breathe is a good reason to thank him for. And so we say, man, there are things daily that you can thank me about. Because when you know how to pray, it begins to make praying easier. See, it gives us more and more things to be able to bring to him and talk to him about. And then he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
If there was one thing that I could have deleted from the Lord's Prayer, Amen. <laughs> Amen. it might be the last half of this. I like the first half. I really like the first half. I need the first half. And forgive us our debts. Here, Jesus is de demonstrating that God, that we can ask God not to hold our sins against us. He's asking us to confess our sins. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, completely forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's my example of that. Um, if you want to have a great relationship with somebody and there is something between you, you need to get that resolved, don't you? And as soon as you get that resolved, all of a sudden the relationship opens up. All of a sudden it's, it feels like it's clean. It feels like you've got that behind you. So you say, oh, man, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about the way I responded to you when you did this. And, and, and you just take responsibility of that and you bring it out. And now it opens up. And okay, now we can begin. We can come back together again. We can be more united again. Now, here's the cool thing. God doesn't have to do that for you because he's perfect. But we get to do that with him, and he wants us to. And he says, and by the way, if you do this, I am faithful and just. Just meaning that I can do it, and I will do it, and, and I can do it, and it will be okay because I've already paid the price for it. So he says that sin isn't covered. That, that sin is covered completely. It's not there anymore from, from God's perspective. But, but he doesn't stop right there. With us asking to him to forgive our sins, he assumes that we will forgive the sins of other people. He assumes it so much that the way it's worded is to say, he, uh, as I forgive others. In other words, if I don't forgive others, don't forgive me. What? That's in the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, yeah. And so how do you know he said that, Cliff? Well, because Jesus, just for clarity, clarified that right afterwards. In verse number 14, he said, For if you forgive people their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive people their offenses, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Wow. Wow. It's a good reason to forgive other people even if they don't ask for it. See, uh, sometimes we get hung up on that. But they didn't ask for forgiveness. Doesn't matter. It's for your good. <laughs> it's for your good to go, you know what? I'm going to forgive them. I, Lord, help me to forgive them. Help me to let it go. Oh, boy, I, there are some people I get to pray that for again and again and again, right? Because I say, Lord, help me forgive them. And you know what I find out is? A little bit later, I'm starting to grab that thing back. And I'm starting to go, man, those dirty don'ts. And he's going, huh? I thought you said you, mm-hmm. You want to, you want to, let's, let's do this again. Lord, would you help me forgive him? Help me forgive him because why? Because I want to be forgiven. Lord, I want to be forgiven. I know I need it. And so I'm going to forgive others. Knowing how to pray makes praying easier, except when it comes to forgiving others. <laughs> That can be difficult. So he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So he's saying, pray to be delivered from wrong. 
Pray for that. Jesus, in this model prayer, he's saying, pray to be delivered from the wrong. Pray so that the enemy doesn't get his best with you. Pray that, that you would be able to stand against him. Pray that you'd be released from that. In, in that statement, we're recognizing that we're too weak to do it on our own, that we need God's help, that we want his help, and that we're asking for his help. And so we're praying for that. And, uh, and, and he's saying, and that's another piece to do almost daily, right, as we go into the day. Lord, I'm getting ready to go to work right now. I need to have you in me. So would you clothe me with your righteousness? Thank you. Now you've confessed your sins. You're, you're cleansed with him. The relationship is open. It's clear. And now you're saying, and by the way, I want to partner with you. I want you, I want you, I want you to go in me and live through me. And I want you to set the stage. I want you to keep me from being tempted. I want you to keep me from falling into the wrong things that I should not fall into. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. There we pray with thanksgiving, affirmation, and praise. So there you have that. There's the thanksgiving. I'm thanking you for what you have done for me. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, all the glory. You get all the glory, all the thanks, all the praise because of who you are and what you have done. So we begin with adoration. We end with thanksgiving and adoration and praise. Pray because knowing how to pray makes praying easier. Now you can see how we can pray with that model prayer. So, let me, let me just do that, would you? Let's just pray. Let me just pray that way. Our Father, which art in heaven, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're my perfect Father. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for protecting me and caring for me. Thank you that you've adopted me as your own child. Thank you that you have, that you have taken me in and you, you say that I get part of your inheritance as a child does and as, as, that you want me to even call you Abba, Daddy. Thank you so much for that, Lord. Hallowed be your name. You are holy. You are my creator. You are my sustainer. You're my provider. You're my healer. You're my protector. Oh, Lord, you are holy, holy, holy. Thank you for your holiness. Thank you that you, from your place of holiness, you still engage with me. And Lord, your kingdom, thy kingdom, may it come. Let your kingdom come to us now, and may you rule over every part of my life. Let those fruits of the Spirit, that love, joy, peace, gentleness, faithfulness, let all of those things, Lord, flow to me and in me and then through me to other people. Let your kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I tend to want to do things my own way on earth. I don't want to anymore. I want to do things your way. I, I want to represent you well in everything that I do. Would, would, would you allow your will to be done in me and, and allow my will to become your will like I know it will be in heaven? And Lord, I pray for that to, be, to impact us, even at Arbor, that we would, we would let your will be done. And, and Lord, I pray that you'd give us this day our daily bread. Thank you, Lord, that you've provided for our needs. Thanks for the new day that you've given me. Help me to use it in the way you want me to use it. And forgive us our debts, Lord, as we forgive our debtors. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for holding things that I shouldn't hold. 
Forgive me for thoughts that I, I don't need, that aren't from you. And Lord, help me, help me to forgive. Help me to forgive those that have come to my mind. And as they come to my mind right now, Lord, I just, I just say, I, I want to forgive them, Lord. I want to let go of that totally like you have for me. So help me to stand in that forgiveness, to truly forgive them as you have done that for me. And lead me, Lord, not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I'm so often tempted, Lord, and sometimes it's so subtle, I don't even hardly notice it. So I'm praying that you give me eyes to see it so that I could avoid it. And the strength, Lord, to stand against those things where the enemy wants to come and derail me from living for you. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lord, it's all and forever about you. It's all and forever about you. Let me, let me never, never forget that. And let me live like that. Father, we're asking for, for this body of believers right here at Arbor to become a place that, that demonstrates your kingdom, your power, your glory, your forgiveness. So we just hand that to you. And we do that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Knowing how to pray makes praying easier. And you can pray that way just using the Lord's Prayer. Or you can use adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Or you can make up your own. He's happy with any of it. James 5 Verse 16b says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We mentioned this last week, that you are that righteous person. If you have a relationship with Jesus because he has forgiven all of your sins, they aren't there anymore. I was thinking of what, what example do I have for that? And I thought, you know what? If you were here today and you owed over $10 million, $10,325,000 in change. You owed it above what you have. And your debtors are coming after you and they're, and they're after you and you feel horrible about it. You can't see a way clear. You cannot possibly imagine how you could ever pay it off. And then I stepped into your life and I got a big checkbook and a huge heart. And I write a check out for $10,325,000. And I pay your debt off. If the next day I saw you walking around, you're going, man, I'm just a debtor. I owe all kinds of things to everybody. Don't know how I'm ever going to get out of this. I'd want to slap you. I'd want to say, what? After what I paid for you? You are, you should be free. You should be ecstatic. You should be on fire because of what I've done for you. <laughs> God's done more than that for you. Amen. You are the righteous. So we got to get to praying. Amen. Amen. I'd like you to stand so I can give you a blessing and we're going to continue worshiping. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you to give you his peace and his strength so that you will hold the course and continue to pray as he calls you to pray. 
in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen, amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord.